Hello, money makers and money savers. Welcome to the interview series, The Business of Business. I'm your host, Dustin Dubé, and this is Finance Fundamentals, the show where we learn how to stop working so hard for our money and learn how to make it work harder for you. This podcast is entirely based on my experiences and thoughts. I am not a financial advisor, and the thoughts and expressions you hear on this show are my own and are not reflective of my employers, past or present, nor my guests. I am not liable for investments that you make or strategies that you implement upon listening to my show. Now, back to the show. Hey friends, welcome back to Finance Fundamentals, the interview series, The Business of Business, where I interview unique industry experts and business owners to motivate, educate, and help you to chase your craft. Today we're doing something a little different and we're taking a look at an industry that is highly impacted from COVID-19. Today I have Jack Goldberg, who is a fitness coach and trainer at 24 Hour Fitness to give us his perspective on the future of fitness and how it was impacted during the pandemic. Thanks for joining. Welcome back to Finance Fundamentals. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me again on Finance Fundamentals. Today, I actually have a Husson alumni again. Go Eagles. It's not the first on the show, but hopefully it won't be the last. I've got Jack Goldberg here with me. Jack is Canadian at heart, but today living in California. Jack, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's great to hear, you know, Hustle alumni is doing big things these days. And this is definitely very cool. I was saying it's my podcast debut. So I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I I see a a nice picture of you and your lovely wife behind you. So congratulations on the nuptials. Was it last year? It was, so it was in 2019, a day before my birthday, October 13th. So that was the year before, I guess, was my last birthday. So we're, we're working on our second year right now. Congratulations. That's a uh, good timing. <laughs> so uh, Jack is actually coming into us with a bit of a, a different topic that I want to talk about today. And he's a fitness manager at 24 Hour Fitness. Some of you have likely heard the brand. They're in 30 states. Uh, they have over 400 locations. Jack studied business, sports management, went on to get his MBA did consider that traditional path that many of us go down, wanted to be a financial advisor. But I read up on you. you. You paused during the application process and thought, would this make me happy? And instead chased your passion. So I, I first off want to congratulate you for doing that because most people do not do that. And it's definitely played out well for you. Also was a football player at Husson. So had a little bit of fitness in your background that sort of drove you to the career you're in today. So if you want to tell me a little bit about that process of, you know, look, you studied business, you, you chose to go into fitness, you know, what was the the deciding moment to, to make that decision? Yeah, so I got my undergrad and bachelor's of science in sport management. And I was actually originally wanted to be a sports agent. I'd, I'd always loved playing sports. I was okay at sports, but I knew that I had never had really a shot at going professional at anything. But I knew I had a passion for sports. I had a pretty good understanding of how the sports industry works. So my dream after watching, I don't know if you know the movie, Jerry Maguire, I was like, I want to be Jerry Maguire. I want to be that star. I want to be that good guy sports agent. So 
Uh, I knew getting my master's in business administration was going to be a good route to kind of help separate me from the rest of the pack. And then while I was going for my MBA, I, I'm what, 23, 24, I knew I needed to make a little extra money. And I realized that I had to add a little bit of background in fitness, I guess you could say. And uh, I got a certification, the uh, just, a, just a regular CPT, certified personal trainer. From there, I was really given a cool opportunity to be the assistant strength coach at our university. Kind of came out of nowhere. So at the time, Chris Jones, the previous strength and conditioning coach at Husky University reached out to me and was like, Hey, like, you know, I need an assistant. Why don't you help me out? And I was just kind of like, oh, I'll try it out. Why not? I need to do an internship. I, I just got my CPT. Why don't I take that route? And, you know, I really loved the coaching atmosphere. I loved working with athletes. I loved working with people and kind of came somewhat naturally to me. And I was, I was like, you know, this is something I'm really good at. I'm having a lot of fun doing this. And, and once I completed the internship program, I kept doing personal training through YMCA, the local Bangor YMCA. And definitely presented a lot of challenges, but I, I loved those challenges. And I eventually built my book of business where I was doing anywhere from about 120 to 160 sessions per month, making good, not great money, but I was doing something that I loved. And at the same time, like I said, I was making okay money. And at the same time, I was still going through my MBA and I knew that my real, I guess my future in my mindset was either going into finance, so, so I, like the financial advising industry, or to become a sports agent. So when I moved out to California with my, at the time, girlfriend, now wife, I did a lot of interviews. I did an interview with New York Life, Northwestern Mutual. And, you know, when I was going through the interview process, I just was like, I'm not really passionate about this. I'm not, you know, it, it does change people's lives. And I do love, and this is, I love, you know, working with people, but this specific industry, I just felt like wasn't for me. And I had a great interview with 24 hour fitness. And I just thought, you know, this is the route I want to take. And, you know, four years later, I've been blessed to have moved up the company relatively. I've had a lot of different opportunities of grand opening a club, a huge club in downtown Long Beach. And definitely what I found, this is the passion for me. And this is really what something that I, I think I'm, I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's pretty exciting now that you today hold several certifications. You are a certified strength coach, a certified personal fitness trainer, a U.S. Olympic certified trainer, a Spartan trainer, a Kettlebell Kings trainer. So you've definitely diversified, found your niche in the industry, and today are now a general manager. What were the steps to kind of get to that point from just entry level into 24-hour fitness? You were somebody coming out externally to today four years later, you've clearly done well with it and, and are now managing a, a club. Taking risks and making tons of mistakes. <laughs> Looking back now, I, I, I'm one of those people that I truly learned from my mistakes. And I think that when I say taking risks, taking smart risks, you know, I'm not saying I need to jump off a bridge, but I need to take chances with such things as hiring. You know, like I use this as an example of the conversation I had earlier is my first club that they gave me, they gave me a budget or a quote of having to sell about $56,000 in personal training alone. So forget about memberships, forget about everything else. It was just specifically personal training. And I had a club of four trainers and two of them were part-time. So right from there, I realized, what do I got to do? I got to hire and I need to hire good. So when I did that though, the first thing I did, and this is the mistake, is that I honestly hired for volume, right? So I was just hiring, I, you know, everybody that was coming for an interview, I was like, you're hired, you're good. It worked with some people. I was lucky enough that I actually had a few pretty successful trainers. But when you're hiring for volume, and I think this is true of fitness or anything, you're, you're gonna, it's going to be a long-term headache. Even if in the short term, if you're going to have those successes in the long term, dealing with people that maybe aren't the best fit for you are, are going to really cost you a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy. And it's just not going to be the smoothest transition. So that was one of the first unfortunate things I had to learn through. The other thing is just effort. I mean, when I started, I think this is true of anything else in life is 
you know, I was at the club 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. every night and my wife could attend for that as well. And she wasn't the biggest fan of those times. But when you're starting off in anything, especially when you're starting out in fitness, you, you've got to put the effort in. You've got to put the time. At the end of the day, it's just it's work ethic, in my opinion. And I think that helps with a, with a lot of stuff. And now, luckily, you know, I don't have to do that. You know, I still work hard. I still work long hours. But because I put the hours and the time in at the beginning of my career at 24, I've learned a lot, learned through my mistakes. Now I have a little bit more of an education on the industry and what I'm doing. And it's allowed me to be a little bit I should like to say working smarter and not harder. Yeah, that's fair. And I, I like that you talked about some of the managerial aspects of your job, because oftentimes I think, you know, we look at personal trainers and we look at people working in the industry. They are working in the fitness industry. They're, they're training people. They're helping people work out. They're working on exercise, but you kind of forget there is a business to run as well. So as you've moved into that, that position, you know, what are some of the managerial headaches that obviously you talked about hiring, budgeting, learning how to maybe hit margins and metrics that the, the corporation wants? And you know any other factors that you've kind of realized, look, I need to put just as much time into this as I do with my customers and clients? To answer that question on a broader scope of the business, one of the biggest transitions that we had to make, I'll, I'll give you like a little bit of a backstory. So back in the day with 24, especially with most gyms, but specifically with us, the trainers were, were paid really well. And that was because there was a lot of things that went behind that. So they were paid based off of overtime, based off of commission, based off of you had your session premiums and things of that nature. And that was great for the trainer. But the problem was that it was actually really hurting our margins, especially when it came to overtime. So in my course, when I first started with the company in 2017, our margins were, I don't know the exact number, but what I was told was around 18%. By 2019, our margins were 9%. From just per, I'm talking about just personal training alone. Not, you know, like I said, not memberships. I'm specifically focused on personal training. So one of the big, I like to say, change management adaptations that our company had to go through post-quarantine was making an adjustment. Now, unfortunately, that adjustment had to do with making our sessions a little bit more expensive, Right and decreasing the pay in our trainers. So we took a big hit with that. Like right now I have, you know, we have three trainers in my club. We used to have 15, right? Overall, this is good for the business, but the general scope of the fitness industry, this is a good thing because it is going to help us make a lot more profit in the long run. Where this is tough though, is it puts a lot more energy and expenditure on, is on us as, as a corporation is making sure that we're adding as much possible value to the personal training experience. Meaning I might sign you up on a program where you're doing two sessions a week, but what I like to do when I'm selling a package is not just, I don't like to think of it as, okay, you're buying two sessions per week. I like to think of it, okay, we're setting you up for success for all of the other days. We're going to build you a program that's going to allow you to focus on your fitness when you're not with me in the gym. Maybe it's talking about going on walks. Maybe it's talking about going for a run. But we have to add a lot more value to just the personal training experience in itself. Because if that's the only thing that we're going to focus on, we're not going to be getting many members not, and that many clients. And I think that's something that we've done a really good job with at 24 is really identifying with, with the need of the client. That could be through, you know, doing virtual sessions, right? That's a big thing that I've been doing a lot of as well. So in terms of the margins, yeah, we took a hit on that. We're definitely making a lot of changes right now in our company and, and how we're going about that. And I think that's going to really help us long-term for our business. It's actually, that's a good segue here. So I, I did take a look at the market, right? The global fitness market is actually, it was increasing pretty steadily in recent years, exceeded $96 billion US in 2019. Some of the largest health clubs worldwide are, are pretty sizable chunks of that. 24-Hour Fitness is the second largest in the United States behind LA Fitness. But I did see there were some locations that had to close 
during the pandemic, obviously, and probably harder hit areas and maybe some underperforming gyms. But there is a bit of an issue where industry revenue plummeted, it looks like about 58% nationwide. So gyms had to adapt and and kind of change pretty quickly. And actually almost 20% of gyms in the United States closed permanently. So there is a bit of a shift here in the industry. How did the, the company adapt? And was it more of a jolt to the system to figure out what your strategy was going to be last year and into this year? We had, we had to keep moving. You know, it's, it's hard to make money when you're closed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, especially out in California, a big chunk of our clubs, I would say uh, well over 100 of, of our clubs. And you said we had 400 clubs open. I think we're now down to around 300 after the post-pandemic era. So you're talking about almost 30% of our entire company is in an area where the country was closed down for pretty much the longest amount of time. From the southern area of California to San Diego up to you know, San Francisco, I mean, the whole state has been closed. We just really started reopening again at mid-March. So it's tough to make money when we're closed. And honestly, what we had to do is we had to, we really had to count on the clubs that were open. So I'm talking about our markets in like Colorado, somewhat of Nevada. I think they opened up a little bit before us, but we really had to count on them. And a lot of it as well was based on just telling our members to stick with us. And it's not that easy. We had a lot of upset members and things like that, but what they had to understand and what I tried to tell my clients and our members is like, this is not my decision. I'm not just saying, Hey, I'm closing the gym. If it was me, I would stay in the gym 24 hours a day. If I, if that's what I had to do to keep this place open, because I know that's how important it is to members. And so we really had to count on our members, but what we did in terms of personal training specifically was we had to pivot really quickly and focus on our virtual training. And that was something that was a very big challenge when we first started. Like for myself, I ended up covering 10 clubs in the Los Angeles area. And what I realized when I first started doing that was with virtual training was I had to create as much possible energy as I could because I was training out of my garage. You know what I mean? There's something to be said about working uh, with a client when you're inside of a big box gym. There's a natural energy comes from it. There's the music, there's the other members, there's the community. You don't have that when you're doing virtual training, when I'm training, you know, a client in the red room and I'm in my garage. So it took a ton of energy. I was talk, talking to this a little bit earlier with one of my friends. I was saying, you know, it's doing one virtual training session. If it's an hour, I say uses the same amount of energy as doing two full sessions because, you know, I'm doing the movements with them. I'm, you know, the little details I'm checking in on their, you know, are, how's your, you know, how's your feed? Do you, is your wire, uh, is your internet connection good? All those little details that are really important when it comes to virtual training. So honestly, all we could do to answer your question is, is, is do these, these virtual training sessions and hope that our, our member base stayed loyal to us. And a lot of our members did. We have a great loyal member base, obviously not every single one, but we, you know, we sent out tons of emails. We had commercials talking about why we were closed because it's not our choice. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to be closed, but unfortunately, you know, we did. And, and I really give a lot of kudos to 24 hour fitness because not all the gyms followed the rules and the guidelines set by the city council, by the governors and, and everything like that. We didn't want to close, but again, we're such a big corporation that, you know, if our governor and our, and our, and our townships are saying, you got to close, we listen to those rules. And we really did follow all the guidelines in terms of only staying at whatever they told us that we were allowed to stay at, whether it was 10% off the seat, 20% following social distancing, closing every other machine to make sure that we were doing six feet apart. So I really do got to give a lot of kudos to our company and our brand for doing that because not all the gyms follow those guidelines. It was tough, but you know, um, we're slowly building out of it as we, as we open up more and more clubs. Yeah. And, and when you did have to shut down for a while, I'm assuming there were some staff that needed to be furloughed, possibly laid off. I saw that over a million employees in the industry lost their jobs during the pandemic. 
Now that is slowly starting to come back in some states. I know California was one of the slowers to reopen. Do you think that all of those people are going to come back to the industry or have they kind of moved on and found their next venture? That's a great question. I would say it's 50-50. I think a lot of people have that passion for the industry and want to come back. And I think, like you said, are slowly coming back during those times. A lot of people were out of work for, you're talking about a full year. Yeah. And during that time, people had, you know, maybe they went back to school, maybe they found other passions. So I would say some people left, but some, I think a lot of people came back too. And with that being said, you know, if you're interested in being in the fitness industry, this is the best time to get into the fitness industry because yeah. there is that need. I know for myself, I need trainers, I need master coaches, I need front desk sales associates, you know, so there is a need for well qualified and talented individuals that are looking to change people's lives through physical fitness. But yeah, we definitely took a hit in terms of not only losing members, but we also lost a lot of talented people as well. But there still are tons and tons of talented individuals that are still in this industry, though. There were a number of gyms that filed bankruptcy last year. I think <laughs> that it, it definitely did vary based on whether they're privately or publicly held. Publicly held gyms have shareholders. Luckily, 24-hour fitness is, is private, but there were still some serious financial issues. I did see that a Chapter 11 bankruptcy was filed in 2020. What kind of messaging was given to the staff and the employees? Did you have concern for your career and, and where this was going to take you? I had a ton of concern and 24, I got, I got to give them kudos as well. Cause they did, they, they did all they could do. We were put in a, in a no win situation yeah. when this all started, it really happened right away. And, and we did file chapter 11 bankruptcy and that and at the end of the day, it's, it's crazy to say this, but our, you know, it ended up being a good thing for the company. It gave us a little bit of leverage and now slowly but surely from what I'm hearing, we are about to get out of that chapter 11 bankruptcy, which is huge news. But for myself, I was very concerned. I've only, I've been with 24 for, I would, you know, 70% of my fitness career for the last yeah. six years. There's always that concern of if I, you know, I've had success with 24, but does that mean I'll have success with another company? Should I stay in fitness? There was a time where I was like, what is the future of the fitness industry? That was, a, it was a tough, tough transition period, but that's where, you know, that's where the importance of change management comes in, both from a company perspective, but also for myself as a, as a manager for our just, you know, one club and as a, a as a trainer as well. And that's where like the things like virtual training come into hand, being adaptive and understanding the change of the times. The good news with that, in my opinion, though, opinion, I personally believe that there's going to be a big fitness boom coming up in the near future. I know for my club. We, when we opened up, there was like five people coming into our gym. Like it was completely empty. And every single week since we've reopened in January, it's gotten busier and busier and busier. I'm seeing more and more of those, you know, usual faces I used to see prior to the pandemic that are starting to come back. So I think that within the next by Q3, Q, in my opinion, by Q4, there's going to be a huge boom. I think Q3, you're going to start to see it. You're already starting to see it a little bit in Q2, but in Q3, you're going to start to really notice it. I think by Q4 going into Q1 of 2022, there's going to be a huge fitness boom going. And that's why I said, if you're interested in getting into fitness, you want to get a certification. If you want to change lives, this is the time to do it. If I could go back now and start right now, this would be the perfect time. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's funny that you talk about the industry booming because obviously you had a lot of people stuck at home. For those that were employed, they may have kept a membership. They may have done some type of virtual class. However, there's a lot of people that were unemployed. And this also did impact a population that we sometimes forget about. And that is actually our lowest income earners in the country because they do not have the disposable income to go and 
set up a home gym and to buy mm-hmm. some of this home equipment, which I know we we tried to, to buy some stuff last year and it took a while and it was very expensive because of markups and, and supply chain issues. That physical gym provides a service, especially to that lower income population, especially if they're just members coming in with a variety of, of machines. For the higher income earners, there are a variety of different things that they were able to do this year. Specifically, we saw some competitors come to the market with Peloton and Nordic Track, and we've got uh, Tonal (laughs) and a lot of other things. What do you think is going to happen long term with that? Peloton, I know that there were some pretty sizable spin gyms nationwide that closed, Flywheel being one of them, in in a little bit of a league of their own. But there are a variety of other competitors out there that probably are trying to convince people not to go back to a physical gym. You know, what's your take on the, the industry going forward? What, what do you expect to happen there? You know, I think Peloton specifically, Peloton will do, but Peloton, they did a brilliant job of marketing their brand. They really did. And they have a great product. They really do. They, they, they kind of like the, in my opinion, they're not the first, but they were the first to really launch that product. And they did the first that marketed it so brilliantly in terms of, you know, that home fitness experience, utilizing your spin bike and, and, and doing it with other people. But what also was cool is making it an experience that was competitive. You can race other racers from around the world and, and, and compete against them, which was really cool. To kind of go to that point, I, I built my own home gym as well. And like I said, and Peloton is a really cool device. But my question is this, you know, you've been doing Peloton for six months and, you know, you're, st- you're still feeling good about it, but how long can you just sit on your bike and, and do that? Some people can do that forever, but when you're looking at the broad scope of the fitness industry, you said, I don't have the exact number, but it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Maybe it's just me. I think this is going to be the case. Like I said, going into Q3, Q4, I think a lot of those people that just do those home workouts, those home gym workouts, feel like it gets old after a while. You're, you're, you're in the same room. You're doing similar workouts. You have that same coach. I think there's something to be said about being in that big box, about being in that environment, about having the opportunity. If I want to go in the sauna, I can just walk over downstairs to that sauna. If I want to go in that big Olympic pool, I can do that. If I want to take a group X class, I can do that at 6 p.m. If I want to do powerlifting, I can go walk over to that powerlifting station. If I want to see my friends that are coming into the gym, I can consistently do that. I do think people are going to come back to that box experience because of the community that it presents. Something about looking at a screen, it's great, but I do think that will get old after a while. I think Peloton is going to be successful. I think they're going to be successful for many years, but I do think a lot of those individuals that just do those home workouts are going to come back to the gym. I know for myself, I love my home gym. I, I built a home gym. I'm blessed enough to do you know my own workouts if I want to. But honestly, for the last couple of months, I've just been working out in the gym because I get better workouts. I, if I if I need to take a break, I can talk to my friends that are already there, the people that I've already built a relationship. I always said there's something about that energy that you get from a gym that you can't get from your house that I've always thought that it is important and will go a long way. And as we get out of that, you know, having to wear masks every day, having to do social distancing, I think more and more people are going to feel more and more comfortable getting back to the gym and, and are going to be excited to give each other a high five, you know, give each other a hug. Things we haven't been able to do since like 2019, it feels like, right? It's almost been like a year and a half. I think that I think that there's going to be that need for those that just that environment going forward. Yeah, it's a social component just as much as it's fitness, right? You 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 build a community there, and I built a home gym as well, and it's, I don't have anyone to spot me, you know. So there are things about going to the gym that are nice. You kind of find like-minded people, and you know people that you potentially build relationships with even outside of the gym. So I, I 100% agree. I think that there will be people that that maintain these home gyms and, and Peloton, for example, and maybe that will be a companion to going to a 
to a physical box, as you call it. There are access issues with fitness during the, the pandemic. Clearly, that is returning to us. However, we have some issues when it comes to American health, especially this past year. What do you think clients are going, or customers rather, are going to be returning to gyms for? Is it primarily to get back into the shape that they used to be into? Is it maybe to correct some bad habits that they unfortunately slid into as they were home the past year and a half? Or is it to get back into that community? I think you just touched on it. I think all of them. <laughs> I'm seeing right now from our gym is, is, is one of two things. So you have the individuals that did absolutely nothing during the quarantine period. And they're <laughs> coming back and I don't even recognize it. That's unfortunate. And hopefully we can get those individuals into shape. And we talk about that. And whenever I have a client or a member right away, the first thing, whether you want to lose weight, gain weight, you have a performance goal, I want to get you moving better. My, my mindset is always this, is if you're moving better, that's going to help us long-term. If I'm just right away from day one, restricting calories, that's going to be hard to be successful, right? Because we're, you might lose some weight right away, but long-term, how much are we going to like that lifestyle? It's going to kind of be a bummer. So the first client, like I was, or the first number I should say that I'm seeing is the individual that did nothing over 14. And I got to be honest, I'm impressed. The other individual I'm seeing is maybe it's the person that bought the Peloton or built the home gym. Some of the people I'm seeing coming back to the gym are like, I, I call it the quarantine bond. Like they're looking in a good way. Like, they got shredded and they got ripped. <laughs> so I'm seeing like one of two things. It's, it goes either way. For our gym, I'm, t I'm targeting both of them. When it comes to the person that has been working out and has been staying in shape, I'm, it's going to be probably a little bit more challenging to work with them as a personal trainer. But I want to make sure that they understand the, the, the benefits of working with us at our gym and all the qualities that we have to be just a member, an everyday member, to keep that body looking like that, to change it up a little bit. Maybe you're hitting a plateau. And then for the individual that it hasn't been working out at all, then that's where you come and see me. And that's where I get you right. <laughs> get you moving properly, get you on a plan that's going to be consistent, long-term, beneficial. But I have been impressed. I've been seeing, I'm surprised. I'm seeing a lot of people that are coming in and I'm like, wow, you did pretty good for yourself. So it's, it's one of two things that, I, uh, that I've been noticing. Yeah, I think some people took advantage of the time. I have nothing yeah. else to do. Might as well get the exercise in and then maybe change up the diet. Uh, that's actually something I wanted to ask you as well, right? So one frustration that I've had in the past with some trainers that I've used and going to a gym is they help me with my fitness, but they don't help me with my diet. Yeah. Do you talk to your clients about, you know, based on the the goals that they have, the food that they should be eating and the nourishment that they should be giving their body in conjunction with the, the exercise that they're doing. Yeah, I think the big mistake that a lot of trainers make is they overcomplicate nutrition. They go way deep into their macros, you know, hey, you have to have this many fats in your diet. You have to have this many carbohydrates in your diet. So you have this many proteins. You know, you have to make sure you can't go over 2000 calories. You're going to get fat. Yeah. You know, and that's something I'll be honest with you, speaking of going back to our previous point of view a few minutes ago about making mistakes, this is a mistake I learned is that, you know, I was seeing success with my clients for a month, maybe two months, but after a while, it's like people have jobs, people have lives, how, you know, how, how much time it takes to count your calories and to do all that stuff. So what I've changed my approach to more eating habits, right? So instead of focusing, spending so much time on how I'm eating or how many calories I'm eating, what are my macros? Let's focus on the habits we're eating. I can use an example of one making sure that we're not eating, you know, past 8 p.m. Okay, so like my, I call these like non-negotiables, okay? Your last bite, no matter what, there's two parts of this, has to be before 8 p.m. And then the second part of it is, after your last bite, I want you to go for a 15-minute walk, just to increase that metabolism, to get you get your body moving a little bit. And I always find like, if, I don't know about you, but like when I have my last meal at night, and it's just because I like to, I'll be honest, I like to overeat a little bit at night. If I just sit on it, I just feel like bloated and stuff. But if I get up, I start moving a little bit. I get a you know, 15 minute walk. So maybe a 0.5, 0.6 mile walk. 
or maybe even a mile walk and I come back, I just feel better. I feel like that food's digested better. My energy's there. I usually sleep a little bit better that night. So that's one example I use. Another example I like to use with my clients when it comes to eating habits is making sure that you have one of these three sources at every meal. So a source of protein, could be chicken, could be fish, could be, you know, maybe it's a steak. Hopefully it's a steak, that'd be cool. It sounds good. A source of like a vegetable, something specifically green. And then making sure that we have like a light, you know, like light, a light carbohydrate. And making sure though, that you always eat your protein first. Obviously, so I don't know if you know this, but high, protein's higher satiety. Typically, if I always say, if I have like a piece of chicken that's the size of my fist and I eat that first, I'm already going to be a little bit full. But if I, you know, if I start with my rice or I start with my carbs, I can just eat that all day. I just keep going and forth with that. So try to eat the foods that are higher satiety. They're going to fill you up a little bit faster. That's for my clients to maybe overeat or things like that. And then, you know, another good habit is avoiding foods with, with high, like long shelf lives, right? That could be like chips, cookies, things like that. Ultra saturated foods, things of that nature, right? Or trans, trans fats. We want to avoid those completely. So again, rather than overcomplicating your diet, honestly, you do those things. You probably won't lose the weight maybe as fast as you like. So some of my clients, I can lose 20 pounds in like a week. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to do that because that's not smart. It's not healthy. What I say is take your time with it, get healthy. And you'll see that if you're doing these habits consistently and you make this a routine, you'll lose that weight and you'll keep that off in the long run. If you're going out with your friends and don't be that guy who's like, oh, I can't have one beer because I'm going to go over my macros. No, if you're going out with your friends, you're hanging out, you're celebrating, have a beer. That's what you like to do. If, you want, if you're going out with your wife, your girlfriend, you want to have a glass of wine, have a glass of wine if that's what you do. Don't overcomplicate it. You can still be healthy if you have one glass of wine, right? So that's usually the typical approach that I like to use with my clients and our members. Yeah, I, I like that. I definitely appreciate that because I think that sometimes it is, it's too complicated. There's so much out there. And actually something that I did want to talk about is a bit of a kind of a, a, a black dot, if you will, on the industry is there are some, some negative sides that maybe are wrapped up in fitness. And that sometimes is actually in the multi-level marketing companies. And so I don't know if you know a lot about these, but those are your Herbalifes and your Shakeologies. And they present the product to be a very healthy focus product. But really the, the, the focus of the company is to make money and to get you to recruit your friends to then start selling for you. It definitely has made people doubt and have distrust in the industry at times because the, you know, I don't know about you, but I walk into a GNC and there are 500 different proteins and there's so many different yes. products. They're not all great for you. So it is a no. multi-billion dollar industry. There's profits to be made. How do you go about guiding your clients to, to make the right choices, not only financially, but also just for, for their bodies when it comes to supplements and nutrition that are outside of their diets? So there are supplements that do work, right? I think like whey protein, for instance, is a supplement that we know works, right? BCAAs, I'll be honest, I'm guilty to have them. Um, the more research I'm doing on those, so if, for those who don't know, BCAAs, branched chain amino acids. I've always been a firm believer that if you're getting enough protein in your diet, they kind of do nothing. You're going to pee it out later. So I'm not a big fan of BCAAs. So if you're listening to this and you buy BCAAs, maybe sell it to your friend or just get rid of it because they're pretty much, it's it's pretty much doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. It, maybe if you're putting it with your water, you know, you're still getting a little bit of hydration. So that could be a good thing. There are, like I said, there's some supplements that work. There's the ultra green supplements that you can get that are really good for, you know, I take that every single day because if you're not getting enough greens in your diet, that could be helpful because there are a lot of good vitamins and minerals that come from our greens. Another supplement that I've been to always recommend to all my clients, both females, this is important I say this because a lot of females are scared of this, but both females and males would be creatine. Creatine is a great supplement. So depending on which type you get, 
but I would say most creatines are very, very good for you. There's a lot of individuals or like the more of an old school approach. People say, Oh, it just, you know, carries water. It's just going to make me bloated. That's not true at all. It, it does add water to your muscles, but it gives you more of a fuller look. It's not going to make you bloated. It doesn't work for everyone. I would say it works for like 85% of people. It's like 85% of my clients that take it. It works. There's a few clients that have told me, you know, Jack is not doing anything for me. That's okay. That's purest just of strength, especially. And that's why I say it's important for women. Because women are scared that, oh, I'm going to get big and bloated. It's not true at all. It's just going to make you stronger. There's nothing wrong with being stronger. But that is the best natural supplement that I usually recommend. But to your point, there is a lot of crap out there. You said Herbalife, right? You said that. I just started shaking my head. Because yep. that that is uh, that's a strictly a pyramid scheme. Their supplements aren't even that good. The base protein that they get in their protein is, is not very good. Uh, I would never recommend anyone doing that. Brilliant marketing, however, I may say, from the top level. So from the top level executives in that company, they're doing a great job. But if you're looking at getting a good supplement, I wouldn't recommend that. If you're looking at getting supplements and you want to get stronger, look into your whey protein, do a little bit of research, make sure you're getting the right stuff. I recommend creatine. Creatine is a phenomenal supplement. It does work for 85% of our clients. BCAAs, uh, not like, again, not really that big. I've tried it. Didn't really, I don't think it does much as, as long as you're getting your protein. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of crap out there. So I say is this, do your research. Make sure you really thoroughly, and, and not only do your research, but you get your research from good sources. You know, if you're going to Google it, be careful of where you're getting that source from. But yeah, there's a lot of crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny. I'm actually going to be doing an episode on, on multi-level marketing and pyramid schemes. And it, it's amazing. Their branding is ridiculous. Yeah. They have a great message. Products are often subpar. I do want to talk a little bit about branding when it comes to your brand as 24 hour fitness as well, as well as your personal brand as a, as a trainer, there are, are a lot of options that customers have, right? There's probably 50 gyms in your, your area, maybe more. How do you find the right customers and what kind of branding and marketing are you trying to get out to these customers so that when they walk into 24 hour fitness for the first time, they have an idea in their head of what to expect. Yeah, we have to market it ourselves a little bit differently than other gyms because we're a little bit more expensive. We're a little bit more expensive than LA Fitness. We're a little bit more expensive than Planet Fitness. So one of the things that I like to do when I talk to a member is just show them right from the start, especially with everything going on with COVID-19 and the pandemic, that, hey, when you come into our gym, you're going to be in a clean environment. And I think that's really important. I think that's more important now than it's ever been. And I think that's the future of fitness. Is I don't think there's going to be an excuse for having a facility that's dirty and gross and the, where the equipment's not put back into place. I think that especially for the members that you want, the consistent members that are going to come in day in and day out, the average person's just not going to tolerate that. I know I wouldn't. If I was a member and I was looking at a gym and I went to a place and it was filthy, I wouldn't tolerate that. But if you told me I had to pay an extra $10 a month, right? We're yeah. talking about $120 a year, which hopefully for the average person isn't that big of a deal. $120 more per year, but I promise you, you're going to be in a clean, safe, healthy environment. I would make that extra investment. So that's the first thing I focus on is making sure they realize. And when I go on a club tour, they realize, hey, we have a clean environment. The second thing, and this is more towards, towards personal training, is we have to make sure that each member realizes that we're going to give them the absolute best value. That's what we call a fitness assessment. So usually the first workout with me is free. And that's an opportunity for them to see, okay, do I want to be with this person? Do I want to invest? Because it is expensive, right? Our packages go from three to $300 to $900, depending on what you're getting. We want to make sure that they feel the value. And the value is more than just the training session, right? It goes with building the program. Like what I like to specialize in is strength training. Most of my clients are only trained with me two days a week. So in honesty, to get in amazing shape, you're going to have to work out more than twice a week. So what I do for all of them is I built out a five-day program. 
And with that, you're doing two days with me. And usually I focus on the two days that maybe your biggest areas of opportunity. Maybe you're not really comfortable with deadlifts. So maybe that's the day that I train with you. Maybe you're not really comfortable doing metabolic conditioning on your own. You don't feel safe. You don't feel comfortable. So I'm doing that with you. But the other three days are going to be on your own. And then usually after their workout, they'll either text me, email me, and they'll give me their results from their workout. And we'll have a quick chat, maybe a five-minute chat about, okay, what went well in this workout? What didn't go that great? But those are the things that we honestly, like you said, it's a competitive market. But these are the things that are going to separate our brand and specifically our club here in Glendora from the average club. It's just going, I always say, going above and beyond. Because we're in that we're in that tough spot. We're in that middle market. We're not as expensive as an Equinox or some of the private gyms, but we're a little bit more than LA Fitness and quite a bit more than a Planet Fitness. So we want to show these members that hey, you can get an Equinox experience paying you know thirty forty dollars less per month than them and get a much 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 better experience without even thinking than you would get from going to LA Fitness or Planet Fitness. And, and do you work on a marketing budget that is specific to your gym or specific to your region, or is it a company-wide marketing budget? And you just kind of get a little sliver of that. So we, yeah, we don't do any of that really. It was really cool. I got to actually be part of the marketing uh, campaign where I did a few commercials and some advertising for some billboard stuff, but we, we're not involved with that really. That's so in terms of the general, like the big picture of 24 hour fitness. Our, our marketing is more just, you know, getting the word out in the community, going to different, we have a Chipotle across the street from us. We go to different businesses, small and corporate businesses around us and try to market through there. We do some outside sales. So sometimes we'll post up. I know if you used to post up in front of a Starbucks when we grand open my club in Long Beach, we, we do a little bit of that. But in terms of the big picture of marketing, that's more done internally with corporation. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I know some gyms try to do that more regionally. Others just kind of have a general budget and kind of work through that that lens. I wish you did. Yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> I got a lot of ideas. I got a lot of ideas, but no, that's, that's more that's more up. All right. So this is a part of a show where I move into a segment. It's called Bullish or Bearish. And so I'm going to throw some industry topics at you, maybe things happening in the world. You're going to tell me if you're bullish or bearish on them. You could stay in the middle and be neutral, but try, try to choose a side. We're just having fun. And also give me your, your kind of general thoughts on it as well. You know, lead me to believe why Jack is bullish or bearish on something. So the first thing is the American diet. We have a lot of processed food in this country. We have a lot of fast food in this country. Some of that we're seeing changing. I I try to remember that I also live in a city and I I see a lot of options, but that's not always the case for rural America. What are your thoughts? Are you bullish or bearish on health and wellness being more ingrained into our culture, let's say in the next five to 10 years? I like to say bullish. I hope so. You're right. We have a point we brought up earlier and I, I, I wish I'd use this was ultra processed foods. That's the hardest thing. And that's what I meant to say, not ultra, I think I said ultra saturated earlier. I meant to say ultra processed foods. So these are the foods that have those long shelf lives. These are the the foods that a lot of everyday Americans are having. So one of the examples I like to use is like a big bag of potato chips, right? There's typically about five potatoes that are made in terms of the amount of uh, quantity into one of those potatoes. So an example I use for my clients is, could you sit in front of five potatoes and just eat five potatoes in a row? Most of my clients are like, heck no, I couldn't do that. But could you eat a full bag of potato chips? If I'm hanging out with my friends or if I'm just sitting on the couch watching Breaking Bad or one of my favorite shows, I probably could. So there's a reason why I could eat that because the way they process the foods, they're literally designing these foods for us to continue to eat, to eat, to eat, to eat. And that's why we're having all the diabetes issues that we have, the pandemic of that, well, it's quite a huge obesity issue in the, in the country. So unfortunately, oh, I, I got to say, I would like to say bullet, but probably bearish because I, I, 
I, I think it's going to continue until we get a little bit more education out there on, on you know, how harsh these, these ultra processed foods truly are. I mean, I think a lot of people are cooking at home now, and hopefully that's opened their eyes a little bit what's going into their food. But I know from driving through rural America that you oh, look yeah. at every restaurant in the town and it's Kentucky Fried Chicken and Taco Bell. <laughs> and, you know, there's there's very few health conscious options. And unfortunately, we are born into families that may not have the knowledge and we go to schools that don't have the knowledge and yeah, generational issue. So hopefully we, we see an, a change there. But I I wouldn't say I'm, I'm super positive on it either. And, and to your point there, I think you have a great point is the education. We need to keep getting the education. We need to keep talking about it, whether that comes from elementary schools, whether that comes from commercials or TV, whatever it is, whether it comes from more Instagram ads or or whatever, we need to make sure that we get the word out on just, you know, how important it is to have a clean and healthy diet. It doesn't have to be perfect, right? I can go to McDonald's if I have to, but going there three times a week, can't have that. Can't be doing yep. that if we want to live successful lives. Yep. All right. Next one, let's go with ClassPass. So ClassPass, I don't know if you're familiar, but the model was you had a membership, they give you a specific number of credits. You could go do different classes or get open gym sessions at a variety of different gyms. It was pretty convenient for people that maybe were on the road a lot or weren't always in the same place. They obviously had a ton of members cancel last year. They had a lot of people pause their memberships. I haven't been able to find the most recent statistics on them. What are your thoughts on them going forward? I'll say bullish. I think that's a brilliant brilliant idea. I love it. Honestly, it was something that I remember I was thinking about trying to set up like all I used to call it the universal gym pass. And, and that was my original idea. And I remember looking this up and I went, darn it, they already stole this idea from me. I was thinking of like, how can I, you know, be cool and intuitive in the industry? I, I love it. I think moving forward, even though they did have a lot of cancellations, I think that's something that that is a, a brilliant idea. And I think in the future, that could be uh, something that goes a long way because, you know, it gives you the opportunity to go to a Pilates class. It gives you the opportunity to go to different yoga studios, different gyms. And I definitely think that in the next couple of years, that could be a real big success coming forward. I used to travel a lot for work and it was pretty cool to be in other cities and be able to, hey, look, you know, I can go check yeah. out a class over here, do a CrossFit class, or, you know, try different things that I maybe haven't been able to try before and kind of find your, uh, your passion. Let's talk a little bit about TikTok. So I think oh. uh, everyone is is pretty familiar with it at this point, right? We, we see it on our phones and you, you see people posting videos. Even if you don't have TikTok, you've probably seen some on Instagram. What are your thoughts on it? Bullish or bearish on that? Let's say in the next, next couple of years, it's, it's definitely taken off during the pandemic. Do you think it's going to hold? I say bearish. I don't have TikTok. I, I know a little bit about it. I see like videos on my Instagram and things like that. I do think it's a something that's going to be relatively short term. It might be big for another year or so. I think, like we said, I think having the quarantine with everyone staying at home gave it a huge market. Being something, I don't know how well Snapchat is doing, to be honest with you, in terms of their actual brand scope of their business. But I know that I feel like it's not talked about as much as it is was in the past. But I think long term, I, I just don't see it being the biggest hit. I don't think there's enough to it, like it, like you have with Instagram, with Facebook, where there's such, you know, there's so many different ways that you can go about Instagram. There's so many different ways of communicating with people, just like there was with Facebook. I just don't think it has that same long term market scope. Could be wrong. I don't know much about TikTok. I could be completely wrong. But I'll say, uh, we'll say bearish that one. Okay. Fair. Last one here is the gym industry going forward. Obviously, I, I talked about all of the, it was 17%, almost 20% of facilities closed permanently. Do you think we are going to see this vast reopening right away? 
or is it going to take time for gyms to assess member patterns and you know which markets are worth opening up again? Bullish or bearish? I think bullish. The fitness industry is gonna is gonna be prosperous. It's gonna be booming again, but I think it's gonna be a different type of boom. Like we were talking about before, I think the general public and the general member base is not gonna tolerate dirty and unsafe machines, things that just seem like they're they're not clean anymore. I think the average person is just not gonna tolerate that. So I think that. If you want to be successful in fitness moving forward, the first step is going to be having a clean environment and a member-friendly environment. In terms of member-friendly and and being a part of that community, the things that you can't get from a Peloton, the things you can't get from your home gym, the community aspect of it. That's why I think, I personally think people miss that. I'm starting to see it already at our facility. And my prediction is by either Q4 going into Q, because Q1 is the big, we call it the Super Bowl months of our fitness industry. I think Q1 2022, you're going to see a huge boom. And I even think by Q4, you're going to start to see those those trends start to come forward. It's going to probably vary across the country, right? Some people are probably a little bit more excited to to get going. suppose it could even be varied by vaccine rollouts and whatnot. But I do think that people are going to be seeking it out. Maybe not right away, but yeah, later this year, we're probably going to have a big rush. All right. So, so let's transition from that, Jack. What, what do you want people to know about your role in the fitness industry, as well as what 24 hour fitness, what, what's their message? What's their plan? Yeah, I mean, our plan is is, is to, to do what we keep doing, which is changing lives through fitness and and being a consistent, safe, and healthy gym. I, I've never had as you know much respect for twenty four hour fitness as a brand as I do now, as being one of the only gyms, like I said, that's truly stuck to and followed the rules through the pandemic. Even going through Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, even though we were losing hundreds of thousands every week, every day. We knew that, hey, if these are the guidelines, these are the rules that the government has set forward, we're going to do that. Companies like, I'm not trying to bash anyone, but you have companies like Crunch, UFC. You know, those are companies that they, honestly, they didn't follow the rules. They stayed open. And I'm sure 24 corporate was looking at this and going, yeah, these gyms are taking our, you know, they're taking our members. And they were, and they had been. I think there's something to be said about following the rules and doing the right thing. And that's something that 24 did. And if I'm a member and I'm looking at that, I'm want to, I'm going to go to 24 because that's a brand and a company that I can trust. And that's a, that's a company that I can get behind. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense, right? You know, there's a lot of options out there. We always are voting every day with our dollar. <laughs> we always forget that every time we spend a dollar, we vote towards something and that's how we get our voice heard. And, you know, if this brand followed the rules, they should be rewarded for that. So hopefully a lot of those members come back to you as, you. as the year goes on. Yeah. Well, Hey Jack, I really do appreciate it. Thank you very much. Any, any closing thoughts, final words? Thank you so much for having me. If you guys have any questions, you guys can follow me at Jack Goldberg fitness on my Instagram. We love to hear from you guys. Love to hear any, you know, feedback, any questions you guys have for me related to health and fitness. And yeah, thanks so much, Dustin, for having me today. And if you ever need anything, any questions I have moving forward, just feel free to let me know as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I will put all of your information in the description, social media, email, and any contact information that you'd like. I will also link to a pretty cool article I found about you, as well as the YouTube video of the commercial I found. So Awesome. A lot of good stuff. So really happy to have a, another Hassan alum on. So appreciate you coming on and thank you very much.
Thanks so much. Have a good one. This was another great interview on the business of business, the interview series on finance fundamentals. And I'm really glad that you joined me for this. Sometimes one of the most important and interesting parts of our financial markets and the world around us is how they are impacted when anomalies happen, such as the COVID-19 pandemic. Jack, thank you for your insights. I wish you all the best of 24-hour fitness. And I hope that we come out of this brighter, greener, and more fit. Join me next week for another great interview. Together, we'll own that road to financial freedom. And I'm really glad you're joining me for it. I want to hear from you. Have a topic you'd like discussed? A suggestion? You can contact me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email, and more. Check out the description for my link tree. I look forward to hearing from you. The show is written and edited by me. Produced and edited by Daniel Rue. A lot of work goes into these episodes, and we really hope you enjoyed them.